Hey guys, this is Pastor Josh from Fresh Church. We are so excited that you are joining us for our podcast today. I do want to tell you that we pray at Fresh Church that you would get involved in the local church in your city. The Bible says that those that plant themselves in the house of the Lord will flourish. And a podcast and an online experience, a YouTube uh, sermon is amazing, but it does not replace the local church, the hope of the world, the community, the family that God has placed all of us in. And so we hope you find that and we hope you enjoy this message today. Hearts are ready to receive from you this morning. In Jesus' name, if you believe that with me, can you shout amen? Come on, somebody. Can we give God a big old hand clap this morning? It is incredibly with you. You can grab your seats. Thank you so much, you guys. I appreciate you putting up with me. Uh, this is my third time here now. And so I feel like I'm that brother that lives in the other city. You know what I'm saying? That, like, I, I, I pop in every once in a while. It's the crazy uncle to the kids. Uh, and I'm the loud one and crazy one. So it's fun to be here with you guys. I'm excited. I brought a guest with me. He's my son. He's incredible. Jaden, can you stand up really quick? Just say hello to everybody. He's 11, and he looks like he's 15. Uh, I, had, I had one of those dad moments this morning. We were praying at the huddle, and uh, they, uh, Sarah asked us to hold hands, which immediately I was uncomfortable with, but it was fine. Because um, one person I knew, the other was John, and it was like, John, I'm sorry. Let's hold hands and be romantic for a minute. Um, but we were holding hands, and I realized how big my son's hand was, and I'm like, when did that happen? Like, I'm with you daily and you're a monster. It's fine. It's fine, everybody. I'm just having a dad moment, but it's cool to have him with me. Uh, can I just tell you guys, we love your pastors. We love your pastors. Josh and Ashley Hawker, incredible people. You can give it up for them. It's totally fine. Go ahead. And I, I got to, I was talking with Pastor Josh just a few days ago, and he was telling me how great this season is. And can I tell you how important seasons of rest are? Uh, it helps us get refreshed. It helps us get uh, refocused. It helps God to speak to us because sometimes when you get in the grind and you're consumed with what's going on because you're building, you're, you're, you're fighting for something, you're believing for something, you're building something, sometimes you need to lift your head back up so that you can get new, fresh vision, new, fresh anointing. And I believe that's what's happening right now for your pastors. And can I say something to you as a church body? Way to go. Way to allow your pastor to have some space to get refreshed, to get renewed, and to come back ready and raring to go. We're so, as a, as a church, as, as a, uh, partnering with you from Mount Juliet, we're just cheering you on. We're believing for you, and we believe greater days are ahead of, for you and your pastor and your church. But I also wanted to say way to go, leadership team. There, there's so many of you to name, and I don't know all of your names, so I don't want to mess it up, okay? So it's that awkward moment when it's like, hey, Sarah, you're like, my name's Becky. It's fine. Thanks for the, the shout out. But this leadership team is killing it, you guys. Way to go. Way to keep pushing this thing forward. Way to keep believing. Way to cover your pastor. Way to cover your pastor. And if there's anything you can do right now, continue to pray for him, believe for him, and, and just know that good things are in store for him and the church and for you. And we're just excited to be here. Again, my name is Todd, if you're wondering who I am. And I come from a church in Mount Juliet called Connect. My pastor just spoke uh, like a month and a half ago, I think, and was down here. We look exactly alike. No, not at all. Uh, two polar opposites come together to build a church. It's amazing. Uh, I'm originally from Seattle, Tacoma area, and we've been in Nashville for about six years, and we love this city. 
We love this city. We believe there's so much going on here in this city, not just the NFL draft and the marathon and every music venue filled, but we believe God's moving in this place, and we're just excited to partner with you in ministry, and so I'm excited. We're going to start a new series called The Fresh Life. Say The Fresh Life, everybody. That's what I'm talking about, and we're going to look out of Matthew 16, and I just want to paraphrase for you instead of reading it through because I love telling stories. and. Uh, when I read the Bible, I always inject myself into the story. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, how would I react if I was Peter? Or how would I react if I was Jesus? And most of the time, it's, it's counter to what Jesus would ever do. I would have been a lot meaner of a Jesus than Jesus actually is. But that's why I'm not Jesus. And he is. But out of Matthew 16, basically, they're coming into the city. And Jesus stops his disciples. And it's an interesting conversation to start off with immediately. He stops them and says, hey, guys. Who do people say that I am? First off, that's not a normal conversation starter. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not like you stop your friends and be like, hey, guys, tell me everything people are talking about me. What? Like, I don't even know where to begin with that. Um, but Jesus stops them, says, hey, who do people say that I am? And so the, some of the disciples start, you know, saying things. Popcorn statements. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're a great prophet. Some say you're a good man. And I love Peter. Because I always, I always kind of identify with Peter. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, that, uh, uh, I'm the one that always says the wrong thing at the wrong time. You know what I'm saying? It's just like uh, I'm a little too intense for, for, for good things. And I always jump into stuff before I should. And I'm the one that gets out of the boat and falls flat on their feet. You know, I'm just, I'm just Peter. So I see Peter, and he's got this, the, the other disciples are kind of crowded around, and he busts through the pack. Because Jesus says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter kind of busts through. I can see him, like, moving the, the disciples because it's like his moment, right? He steps into the, the spotlight and says, Jesus, Jesus, listen, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And this is an amazing statement, but there's, there's so much more going on here that I think sometimes we, we uh, overlook what's really happening here because there's two things there that are going on. He says, Jesus, you're the Messiah, and then he says, you are the son of the living God. You've you got to understand something here. I'm getting all excited because I geek out over the Bible. I'm just letting you know, all right? But he, he, he says, you're the Messiah. Now, understand this. Jesus could have sent, or God could have sent anybody to be the Messiah. He could have. He could have sent anybody to be the, the Savior. He could have sent anybody to save us from our situation. He could have sent Moses, Noah. He could have sent anybody. He could have sent Elijah. He could have sent an angel. He could have sent anybody to be the Messiah, but he doesn't. And then he says the next statement, you are the son of the living God. And what he's doing is he's making an exclamation point. Not only are you the Messiah, but you are God's best. This is powerful. You're not just the Savior, you're the Son of God, and the sacrifice that's going to happen shows us how much God loves humanity. And so Jesus looks at him and says, you didn't get this from your Father, from human understanding. You got this from my Father in heaven. And then he does something very peculiar. He changes his name. And he establishes a movement right then and there. I wonder if we were in that moment to understand how ridiculous that moment was because in that moment, the church literally began. Jesus had a plan. It was sent from the foundations of the earth. And in Matthew 16, we see the beginning, the establishment of his movement and his church. And he says to Simon, who he changes his name to Peter, he says, no longer will you be Simon, you will now be Peter. And then he goes on and he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. For the longest time, I always got really confused because 
if you look at the name change, he, he changes Simon to Peter. And most people can kind of understand that Peter means rock. And then he goes on in the next statement, he says, upon this rock. So I'm like, oh, Peter, Peter. But it's not. It's actually two separate meanings. And what's really crazy is he changes Simon's name from Simon to Peter. Simon means a reed blown by the wind. And if you really understand Simon to that point, it makes sense. And a lot of times I'm looking at my life going like, I'm, I'm a reed blown by the wind. I'm letting my frustration, my attitude, my anger. And I'm like, God, change me from a reed blown by the wind to this new established meaning of Peter, which means rock. But then he, he goes on to the next statement. He says, and upon this rock, I'll build my church. So we got to understand something. It's really important, my message, and I don't want to take too long on it because I've got a lot more to go. But when he says Peter, it means a piece of a rock. It doesn't mean the rock. It means a piece of the rock. But then he says what he will establish the church on. He says upon this rock, which means mountain or crag or basically magnanimous rock, I will build. And he speak, Jesus is speaking about himself. But this is amazing. He says you are a piece of the bigger rock. So if, if, if you're... If you're I geeked out over this because he's saying, you are a piece of me. You are just like me, Peter, and no longer will you be a reed blown by the wind, but you will be a piece of me. That means when people hear you speak, when people see you act, when people see you walk through the street, when your shadow gets cast onto people, no longer will they see Simon, they will now see Peter, who is a piece of the master. Are you following me? And, and, no, and he doesn't just say that. He's saying it to all of us. He's speaking 2,000 years into the future, and he's saying to Fresh Church, you are a piece of me. You, just like Peter, are a rock, a foundational element to the church, but you are not the rock. You are a piece of it. And we get invited into this incredible plan that Christ has set up in his church. And then he goes on to say, and he says, not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. He says, whatever, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. I will give you the keys to heaven. And so what he's saying there is I want you to unlock heaven and bring heaven's culture down into earth now. I want you to establish and be a part of my church, Peter. I want you to bring heaven's culture into this situation here and now. You see, heaven is not just meant for later. It's meant for now. We are meant to experience God's best in our life. In a community, we are, we are meant to experience what heaven's culture would be like. You know what heaven will look like? You'll have all sorts of diversity. You have all sorts of colors. You have all sorts of genders leading, even though there's only two. There's all sorts of genders, okay? Those two genders will be leading. They will be co-unison. They will be moving things forward. Heaven's culture is diverse. And he's saying, I want you to bring heaven's culture into the here and the now. And I will allow you to unlock heaven's ability to be here and now. So Jesus establishes his church. He pulls people into it and he says, I want to do this with you. This crazy thing is, is that Jesus could have built his church without us. He didn't need us, but he wanted us. What a, what a magnificent gift to be a part of something so miraculous, so life-changing, that he could have done it on his own, but he said, no, it's not good enough that I, that you do it, that I do it on my own. I want to bring you in to be a part of it. And so you will be a piece of me, and the establishment of this church will be upon Jesus, but you are going to be a part of it. I love what Peter says years later. So Peter goes through this change. He changes everything. Jesus changes everything. And Peter says this to a church later on in 1 Peter 2. He says, as you come to the living stone, Jesus, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him. 
And then he's speaking now to the people. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. We are spiritual Legos, y'all, being fastened together to build something amazing that is filled with hope, life, love, grace, forgiveness, sacrifice, because it is built off of Jesus, and he pulls us into it, and we get to do this thing together. But I don't know if you've been a part of church for very long. I don't know if this is a new experience for you. I don't know if maybe this is your first time or you've been a part of church for uh, seasons and and a long time. But I want to help you with something today is that did you know that church is imperfect? And some of you are laughing like, yeah, I know it's imperfect because I've experienced the imperfection of church. Do you know why the church is imperfect if it's founded on a perfect Savior? If it's founded upon a God who created the heavens and the earth, if Jesus is the establishment of the church, then why is it imperfect? It's imperfect because it's led by people. That's the whole point when he pulls us into the mix. He's saying, I'm not doing this without you. We all together will build this thing and move this thing forward. But if you've ever experienced hurt in church, it's because it happens because people are imperfect. That's, and that's where the tension in lies is we, we know that there's a Savior who can help us, but sometimes we don't want to deal with the mess of the people. And some are getting real quiet because you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever been in a church experience and you've been hurt, it causes so much pain and frustration in us. And what it does is it causes us to look at Jesus differently. And the problem is the reality is the church is just imperfect. We've been casting our hope, our life, or even our salvation upon the people of the church and not the savior of the church. And the thing is, is that we're called to build this thing. I believe in the local church. I am a local church guy. I've been in the local church since I was 13 years old. I've experienced some amazing things in the local church, but can I be honest with you? I've experienced some real pain in the local church. I've been hurt. I've had pastors who turned their back on me. I've had pastors who spoke behind my back. People who I trusted and thought would help me and lead me and guide me. And and this isn't a message so I can just pick apart all those people. You know what? I still love all those people. I still believe in all those people. I still believe in those churches. I still believe in that movement because I know that they're not imperfect and I don't cast all of my hope upon that man who hurt me. I cast my hope on Jesus who can heal the, the, the situation and restore my relationship. Why is this important? Why is this important? It's because we are called to create a movement that brings hope and life and salvation to so many people who are going to walk through those doors. And if we process through our pain, and if we process through our hurt, we will never love the people that are walking through those doors. We won't have enough to give to anybody because we're still processing everything through the trouble, the frustration, the hurt, and the bitterness, and it will never release us to actually love the people God has called us to love. It will never release us to build the people we're called to build. It will never release us to lead in the way we are called to lead, and we will always be processing through the hurt of our life. And so the tension is, here's the tension, the real tension, is that we are serving a perfect God in an imperfect outlet. This church is imperfect. My church is imperfect. The grass is not always greener on the other side. We need to learn to love our church right where it's at. 
We need to learn to love our experience and move the thing forward and add life to the experience rather than pick apart everything that's going on. God has called us here to be a part of a movement that helps other people come in to experience the movement because you're not the only ones that are a part of the living, building, spiritual Lego experience. There's others that are meant to be a part as well. And if we are so caught up in our pain and our problems and our past and our issues, we will never move into the place that God has for us. I love what it says in Mark 2, 17. It says, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have, come to, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. My mom always said that church is like a hospital. It's for sick people. It would be absolutely insane if my son last night broke his arm and we got up and ran to the emergency room and we brought him in and we, uh, we were bringing him in. We're like, hey, anybody, we got a broken arm here. He's in pain. Can you help him out? And they would look at him and say, like, how, how dare you? How dare you bring this child in here broken like that? What is wrong with you? What do you mean what is wrong with me? It's a hospital. It's an ER, emergency room. It means help my child who's, who's hurting and broken. Can you help him? And they're like, how dare you? Take that out of here. But the church can do that. Nah, isn't that hurt? People walk in and like, how dare you come in here with that hat on? How dare you wear a hoodie while preaching? Sorry, I have issues from my own experiences, okay? That's why I wore, that's why I wore a hoodie, because I knew where I was going this morning. I was like, Fresh Church will love me. I will rock my hoodie. We, we can have people walk in or like, how dare you bring those issues into this holy place? And, and, and here's the thing, we all know that this happens, and we all, we've all maybe even experienced it, but the problem is that sometimes we're the ones creating the environment. And it, there's reasons why. There's reasons why. It's because it's how we position ourselves. I want to help us today so that we can stop processing through this situation that causes us to hurt people cause negativity in the, in the church. And so there, there's something that we just got to understand that we process through where we are positioned from. Think about that statement. We process through where we are positioned from. Where you position yourself is how you will process through your situation. Does that make sense? How you position yourself is how you will process. And I want to give you guys three positions that we place ourselves in that causes us to process through incorrectly. And, and here's the thing that we all need to understand is that, yes, salvation happens in a moment. But the saving grace or what we would call the sanctification of God is a process. And so what we lose sight of is that all of us as individuals are actually in a process. I'm in a process. My son's in a process. Hayden is in a big, big process. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's, he's a legend. He's incredible. He could handle me picking on him. But then we lose sight that everybody else is in a process. It's like we come in and it's like everything's got to be set up for me because I'm in a process and I got so much healing that needs to take place because my past is jacked up and I need so much attention. It's like you lose sight that everybody else needs just as much attention as you do. And then what we lose sight of is that as a church community, as a body of believers, we are all in process. 
And you can understand this as a church plant. We are all in process in Jesus' name. It's like one weekend we come in and it's one way. The next week it's like it's another. It's like, what happened? We're a church plant. Just deal with it. It's a process. We're trying to figure this thing out, but we have no idea what we're doing. Deal with it. Uh, last week my kids had somebody in their classroom, and this week we don't. I'm kidding. It, it's probably the best thing ever, but that's what I deal with in, in Mount Juliet because we're a four-year-old church plant, and I know the headache of it. And it's not easy, but we got to understand that as individuals we're processing, as a corporate community we are processing. And God is taking us on a journey, and we are meant to take steps individually and corporately. And so where you position yourself is where you will process, is how you will process through. And our position determines our process. So I want to give you guys three positions really quick. The first one is the position of preference. This is such a good one. Such an easy one to preach on too. The position of preference. John 3.10 says, he must increase, but I must what? Decrease. It doesn't say he must increase and I must increase with him. No, it says decrease. Why? Because what's in me is human. And my human nature is ugly at times. And my human nature is broken. So I must decrease so Christ can increase in me so that I can be exactly what he's called me to be. Here's the deal. Unchecked in the church, if preference is unchecked in the church, it can become a place of preference rather than what it is meant to be, a place of community. When we lead with preference, it's we come in and it's like, what, where's my position? When do I get the microphone? Hey, uh, when do I get to sing the solo? When do I get to, when do I get to be out in the parking lot? I, I wave really good. And I have a big, big, big smile. And when people see me, they want to come in and be a part of our church. We see this a lot in, in the worship team, right? If you've ever been a part of a worship team, you've experienced the fullness of an attitude in, in, in the worship team. Now, I'm not picking on you. It's just reality. we got to deal with it, and it's okay. Creatives are creatives. We live in a creative city, and we just got to deal with people. It's fine. I love you creatives. I'm a creative being myself, so I'm talking about myself, okay? So don't get too mad and offended. You're like, I hate this guy already. It's probably because I'm talking about you, but it's fine. Um, it's okay. You're going to be all right. But we come in, and we're like, we see the platform. We're like, I can write. I can sing. I can play guitar. Good. It's Nashville. Everyone can. <laughs> and it's like, cool. Can you go out in the parking lot and actually wave at people? The parking lot? Have you seen my vocals? Well, no, I can't see him. I can hear him, though. So I love when a speaker checks his own communication style. They're like, I can write kids' curriculum. Cool. Can you just serve in the nursery one weekend? Well, <laughs> do you know my talent? Do you know my ability? No, I haven't actually seen any of it because you won't serve anywhere because you're waiting to get a microphone. When we serve out of our preference... We will continually wait until the opportunity presents itself rather than just serving and allowing God to open the door. Because just, just so you, if you don't know, it's God who actually promotes. It's God who actually opens the door. And let me tell you, for those that are like, they, these people just don't see me. It doesn't matter if they see you because God will see you. And if God wants you somewhere, i.e. the platform, he will put you there. He, he will make a way. 
if you would just lay down your preference, my preference, our preference, and actually just start serving. You see, the church isn't a place to perform. It's a place to serve. And it's meant for all of us to take our spiritual giftings, like spiritual Legos, and come in and go, hey, I can do these things, but it just doesn't matter. Where do you want me? I love when people come up and they tell me, like, hey, I'm good at graphic design. I've got this thing going on. It just doesn't matter. Where do you need me, though? If my gift is open-handed, man, I can do anything with that person. And then what will happen is you will get moved into the area that you feel gifted and called to. But there is proving ground. And I think we lose sight of this. And what happens is we'll go to one church and we'll go in. My preference isn't getting met. Well, then fresh church don't got it, so I'm going to go down here. I'm going to jump into this. and Oh, they don't get it. Okay, so I'm going to keep going around. And what we do is we bounce, 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 bounce. But the problem is, is wherever you go, there you are. So you, you can think it's, I love those people, it's like everyone is wrong. Really? Maybe you should start checking and make sure you're not wrong. Like I had that own conversation with my, myself the other day. I was like walking through the hallway and I'm like, man, that thing's off. And that thing, I was like, wait, maybe you're off. And sometimes you need to check yourself and be like, wait, if I'm the one, if I'm picking at everybody else, maybe the problem isn't everybody else, maybe the problem is me. And maybe my preference is trying to rise up and I need to tell that thing to be quiet. Can I tell you, just can I be real with you? For I, I moved out here from Seattle, Washington, came from an incredible, life-giving, massive movement of God to come out here to plant a church. And when we got out here, we thought we were the next Stephen Furtick Elevation. We thought we were going to land on Nashville ground and thousands of people would just show up and be like, it was a move of God. Yeah, that didn't happen. It didn't. And, and we had to shut the thing down. It was heartbreaking. It was heart-wrenching. And it took me another year and a half to finally find myself back in ministry. And my pastor, Devin Webb, opened the doors to me and just said, come on. And can I just tell you, I moved out here to live in Nashville. I live in Mount Juliet, Lebanon. Yes. You laughed a little too hard, but it's fine. She's like, ha, ha, ha. How those cows? How those cows? That's what, that's what we came out here to do, to plant a church. I, 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 right now, I'm the next-gen pastor. I, I left the youth ministry position to come to Nashville to be a senior pastor, and now I'm the next-gen pastor. And it's like, wait, God, do you see me? But when I laid down my preference, my son and I got up at 6 o'clock this morning, drove to the church, set up a new TV and a switch to put up on our kids' area. I'm not trying to promote myself. I'm not trying to brag on myself. What I'm telling you is that I, I, when I laid down my preferences and just said, God, whatever you have for me, whatever you want me to do, whatever you need me to do, can I just do it? And I get to be a part of this incredible movement where we got to see 62 people saved last week. And we got to see so many people coming into the church and we get to be a part of this thing. And I see my kids thriving and my wife thriving and my life getting bigger and better because all I did was say to God, God, I'll decrease so that you can increase in me. And can I tell you, you can have the same exact experience if you'll just die to your preference and just say, it just doesn't matter where you want me. Just put me where you need need me, and I'll start helping you build this thing because, you know what, I'm just another brick, but I'm a brick that's going to make a difference, baby, so let's go. I got, I, got, I got people to help. I got lives to change. If I need to be in the nursery, put me in the nursery. I need to be at the check-in stand, put me at the check-in stand. If God wants me to sing a solo, then God will let me sing a solo, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to serve my heart out and allow God to promote me. I didn't mean to preach that hard. It's, I just came in here to encourage you. I love you. Group hug. The second, the second position, I've got eight minutes, I love it, uh, is the, this is a tough one, it is the position of past and pain. These are real. 
These are real. John 8.36 says, so if the Son sets you free, then you are truly free. I think we understand the concept of free, but I think we understand the depths of which freedom uh, we've been given, how the depth of the freedom that we've been given. A, a few years ago, there were some inmates that escaped from a, uh, a prison in New York. This is a great way to describe what it means to be free. Now, in all context, they were free. They broke free from the prison. But their entire experience, running from the law, running from the prison, I guarantee you they were constantly looking over their shoulder as to where the trouble or the, or the apprehension was going to come from. Do you see what I'm saying? There's tension. It's grief. How are we going to get out of this? How are we going to move on from it? Are we going to be able to actually ever be free? And you see, Jesus doesn't free you so that you can look over your shoulder He frees you so that you will never be hindered by it again. You've been released from the prison. You should never have to look back again. But the problem is, is we will experience church from our past and our pain. And we will come into communities like this and we'll be like, I'm just waiting for that pastor to hurt me like my other pastor did. I'm just waiting for the worship guy to just kick me off the team like I got kicked off the last time. My pain is consuming And I'm constantly looking over. But Jesus didn't free you so that you could look over your shoulder. He freed you so he could free you of the bondage and the hurt. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. I love what it says in the King James Version. It says, for out of it flows the issues of life. Everybody say issues. When you translate that word issues into the Hebrew, it actually means boundaries. And it's a pretty powerful wording, and it gives a better description of what it means. And it says, guard your heart, because if you don't, you will create boundaries out of what you've allowed in you. And it will lock you in place like a prison. If I allow my past and my pain to dictate, I will always process through my past and my pain. If If the stage was my boundaries because this is what I have allowed into my heart. I can never experience the fullness of the rest of this room because I'm locked in place. Am I making sense to you? And and if my past and my pain, now I'm not trying to downplay your past. I don't know how you've been hurt. I don't know how you've got, what pain you've gone through. I don't know what your situation is. But what I do know is we serve a Savior that can help you restore whatever has gone on in you. I know a Savior that, that can help you get beyond the burden of your pain, who can help you move beyond your past, who can free you from the chains of bondage, addiction, hurt, and, and angst when you come into a community like this. But if we don't guard our heart, we will constantly find ourselves in boundaries we were never meant to be in. And we will never experience the fullness of Christ and what he has for us because we will lock ourselves in place. I want to go beyond here, but I can't get past this place. I want to experience more, but I can't get past this place because I've created boundaries that were never meant for me. How you position yourself is how you will process through. And if you position yourself constantly looking at, and and I can can talk to this. I'm just going to be preaching out of my own testimony today. Good grief. Is when when my pastor asked me to go on staff, I watched him for a year. I, I said no and then watched him for a year because I was waiting for the other shoe to fall off. You know what I'm saying? I was waiting to see the imperfections of his character. 
I was waiting to see, like, when are you actually going to abuse me? Not physically, but, you know, just like, when are you going to say the wrong thing? When are you going to do the wrong thing? When are you going to act out? When are you going to mistreat your wife? When are your kids going, you know? And then I saw, I just watched him. And it was the incorrect process because I was positioned from my past and my pain. And I was just watching him with eyes to wait and see for him to fail. And I missed out for a whole year and a half on something incredible that God could have had for me. Because I bounded myself to a a different person in a different situation and I projected that onto him. Now we do this every single day of our lives. We project our past and our pain onto other people. We'll do this in relationships. My last boyfriend hurt me so you're going to hurt me. My last boyfriend abused me, so you're going to abuse me. My last, my last situation was negative, so you're going to be negative. And you are never meant to process from your past or your pain. God wants to heal you and remove the past and the pain so that you can live freely in this community that he's called you to. So that when something comes up and you're really hurting, you can go up to any member in this church and say, hey, I just need you to pray with me because this and this happened to me. And you're not worried about if they will judge you. That you can walk through these doors and be like, I just, I messed up. I was at the NFL draft and I was punching windows and punching people and I just messed all, all kinds of things up and I was just a mess last night. And be like, we love you, come on in. It's messed up, but come on. Let me just sit in your pain with you, bro. I was out drinking last night and I, I, I woke up in another girl's house and I don't know what was going on. My son don't need to hear that, but whatever. And it's just like, you know, we love you, come on in. We're going to move forward. We're going to take steps today. We're not worried about how people will view us because we've moved on from our past and our pain. And today, you've got to reconcile your past and your pain. You've got to begin to give it to Jesus so he can break the barriers in your life so that he can move you into the freedom that he has for you. Amen? i got to move. i got to move. Last one, which is where we are to position ourselves from, is a position of unity. We, we build the church by being united in a cause and in a vision. We, we build the church by building diversity within the community. We, we build the church by having multiple, multiple ethnicities, both genders leading, building Christ's kingdom here now by being united in a cause. And when we lay down our preferences, our past, and our pain, what it does, it just allows us to look at each other and say, I'm in this thing with you. I've got your back and you've got mine. I know at some point, I know at some point you could hurt me, but already I've I've pre-forgiven you. Because our cause is bigger than the pain that may come our way. And our cause is greater than the the situations that may arise. Because can I tell you, we're building the kingdom of God here on planet Earth. And if you don't think that it's, uh, you're never going to have trouble, and if you think you're never going to have hardship, and if you think everything's just going to be easy, this is the wrong place for you. I'm just going to tell you right now. But you know in your heart that trouble may come my way, but uh, take heart. He's already overcome the world. So even in the midst of our trouble, I'm already walking in victory. So it just doesn't matter. So I'm going to process through that rather than my negativity. And yeah, you may say something negative, but brother, I'm going to forgive you. And you may do something stupid, but I'm going to forgive you. And I'm going to just keep moving through this thing because we are united together to build this kingdom that God has called us to build. We cannot do anything alone. Pastor Josh and Ashley cannot build this thing without you. Hayden cannot build the worship team 
without you. We cannot appropriately welcome people in without you. We cannot appropriately love people together without you. And can I tell you, there's a whole bunch of fresh life experiences that are, are getting ready to happen. And guess what? We are directly connected to them. People are going to come in and experience a fresh new experience at church. They're going to come in and experience a fresh new living God that they never knew could, could, could be a part of their lives. They're going to come in and experience fresh salvation and fresh forgiveness and fresh anointing because we have a church that is united together, that isn't worried about my place, my position, my preference, my thing. It's worried about the people that are walking through these doors. And we look at each other and say, we got this. We're going to build this. Let's go together. Amen? I feel like I'm preaching a little bit more than you're responding, but it's fine. It's fine. Uh, we could have the worship team come up and we'll finish out here. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, and we'll end with this. I just love what this says. It says, the kingdom of faith is now your home country. You are no longer strangers or outsiders. And look what it says. This is, this is, this is the Bible. This is the Bible. This is a very uh, catchy statement right now within churches. But this is biblical precedent. You belong here. What is he talking about? He's talking about the house of God. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home and he's using us all irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now watch this. This is incredible. So he goes something big. Apostles, we get that. Prophets, amazing. But then he says, now he's using you. And can I tell you who the you is? It's not just Pastor Josh. It's not just Colby, wherever he is. It's not just the worship team. It's you as an individual. He is using you to build his kingdom. He's using you to speak life. He's using you to bring fresh perspective to somebody else. He's, bringing, he's using you to speak life to somebody's brokenness. He's using your testimony to preach to somebody else's situation. He's using your past and your hurt to speak life to somebody else because guess what? You overcame it through the power of Christ. He's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. That holds all the parts together. In Revelation, it tells us that Jesus is the first and the last. You see, when they build, when, in Old Testament times, when they would build a building, they, built the, they would start with the cornerstone, but they would end it with the, what was called the finishing stone. It was the capstone. Jesus is the first and the last. He is the first stone and he is the completing stone. He is the finished stone. Can I tell you something? From the foundations of the earth, he had this plan in mind for you. He started something. He is faithful to complete it. He will finish it in your life. He will finish it at Fresh Church. He will finish it. All we have to do is jump in, y'all. All we have to do is take a step today. Will, will we remove the past and the pain, the frustration, the hurt, the bitterness, the things that are holding us back? Will, will we get over ourselves just a little bit so that maybe we do need to serve at the check-in station or in the kids' room, and maybe we do need to serve out in the parking lot? Maybe we need to just lay some things down this morning and say, Jesus, whatever you want me to do, I will do because I want to be a part of your completed work. 
Jesus has a plan for your life. There's a lady at our church today, and every Sunday she walks through the whole building, and, and she's praying over it. She's praying over every chair, every classroom. She's, pr- she's literally walking the squares of the hallway and praying over the steps that people would come in. It's, it's intense. It's intense. Sometimes I don't feel like I'm a Christian when I see her. I'm like, I didn't ever pray like that. But give me a microphone. Kidding. Um, somebody thought that was funny. Thank you. But she's, she's praying over, and she comes up to me today, and she, what she does, she writes scriptures down every morning, and she prays over them, and she's like, God, let me give this to the people who need to hear them today. And she walks up to me, and she's like, hey, Todd, I got this for you, and she just hands it to me, and kind of, we converse, converse a little bit, and then she walks off, and it's my, my favorite verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in the future. Can I tell you today, God has a plan for your life. God has a future for you, and it is not determined by your past and your pain. It is not determined by your preference. It is determined by how much you will release and let go and allow God to increase in you. Will you allow Jesus to do a work inside of you? Will you allow him to be the leader and the Lord of your life every single day and allow him to do this incredible work so that we as a church, as Fresh Church, that we can build something that God is doing where people can walk through those doors and we're not limited by our problems so that we can freely give ourselves to people. Open, humble, loving, caring, grace-giving. So that when people talk about Fresh Church, that's the most friendly church in, in, in all of Nashville. That's the most loving church in all of Nashville. Why? Because that church just decided they would be humble and they would give themselves fully to the work of Christ. They wouldn't worry about what was going on in their life. They wouldn't worry about their past and their pain. They wouldn't worry about the things that they get to do if they've got a platform, a microphone or not. But they would lead in such a way that God could use them to the fullness of what he has for them, unhindered, running freely into this place that God has for you. Amen? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Let me finish up with you this morning. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you for challenging us, equipping us, changing us, enabling us to be better. God, I know your presence is in this place today. I know you're already speaking to so many of us today. Will you give us a heart for your church? Will you give us a heart for your community? Will you help us to die to ourselves and, and, and be raised up? with your strength and your power today. Really quickly, I just want to pray for a few people in the house is that I think that past and pain can be one of the most demoralizing experiences in people's lives, especially when they try to reinsert themselves back into a community. And I just want to pray for you today. If, you're, if you've been struggling with your past or your pain, you've been struggling with maybe decisions you've been making and you know that it's not honoring God and you need to run away from that kind of lifestyle, today is an incredible opportunity to get your heart right with God. Or you're just saying, Todd, I, I can't let my past go. I can't, I can't lose sight of what I did. I can't get over what was done to me in the church experience. And today can be such a freeing release for you. And here's what I want to do, and this is why I do this, is I just want to know who I'm praying for. This isn't an altar call. This isn't a salvation call. This is to move beyond past and pain. I want to know who I'm praying for so that you can signify not just to me but to God and saying, God, I'm serious. I'm letting some things go today. Would you do a miracle in my heart? If you're dealing with past and pain, can you just slip your hand up? Let me know who I'm going to pray for this morning. Amazing. Hands are going up all over the room. What a, what a significant thing. 
Can you put your hands down? Amazing. Thank you guys for being so brave, being so courageous. God, I know you see every single hand. I know you know every single name and every single heart. God, you know what has been done and you know what has been going on. Father, today, first and foremost, we ask for forgiveness. We ask that you would move in our hearts to remove that past, that pain. God, remove words that have been spoken over us and re- remind us of what Jeremiah 29, 11 says. God, remove the negative actions that have been done over us and replace them with a new heart. Replace that old stone heart with a new living, beating, vibrant heart today, God, to help us move beyond the place that we've been held back by, the barriers that we've been holding ourselves back. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. With your head still bowed, your eyes still closed, I got to ask you what I believe is the most important question. Is do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? I always believe that there's, there's three types of people in a room. One, yes, I have a relationship with Jesus. Two, I used to. I've walked away from him, and I need to get my heart right. And three, people have never made that decision. I'm talking to the last two. You've turned your back on God. You've walked away, and you need to get your heart right. Today is your opportunity. Or maybe you're the one that just has never made that decision before. What an amazing opportunity today to make Jesus the leader and the Lord of your life. If I'm speaking to either of those situations for you, never made a decision, or you need a radical recommitment this morning, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, would you just be brave enough with every head bowed and every eye closed to just slip your hand up, let me know who I'm praying with, and you can slip it right back down. Here's why I do that. I believe when we make an outward expression, it galvanizes something in our hearts, and it says to Jesus, I'm taking this seriously today. I'm believing greater and bigger for my future and what you have for me, and that my past is forgiven and forgotten, and I'm moving into something new, into your salvation today. So if those are either your situations today, on the, on the count of three, just boldly raise your hand. One, two, three. Go ahead and just slip your hand up wherever you are. Fantastic. One hand. Two hands. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I think I see one more. Amazing, you guys. Three hands gone up. That's amazing. Let's, let's do this. If you wish you, if you raise your hand or wish you would have, know that there is a new beginning for you today. But we're going to say a prayer corporately together. And for those that raised their hands today, know that's a brand new beginning. But everybody say this with me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you into my heart today to forgive me of all my sins and give me a brand new start. Today I declare you my Lord and Savior, and that from this moment forward, I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we give those that raised their hands today a hand clap?